Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. At Wilson, it is so good to have you with us again today. Every week we get excited to bring you these wonderful lessons from Warren Litzman. They are terrific, and we are in this wonderful special series of Warren's about the cross. So let's get right into it. Here's part number eight, Warren Litzman and the cross. Hebrews chapter 9. We'll pluck a little verse out here. This uh, whole ninth chapter deals with blood, but there's one verse I'm very interested in. Verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Now that belongs to the other gospel. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I add of sin. There's no change in anybody without the shedding of blood. That was under the law. When Jesus dies, he will die for all who were under the law too. So much that is in his death flows out of prophecy. There are probably more prophecies of his death in the scriptures than of any other aspect concerning Christ. It is well prophesied. But the greater single fact is, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The blood that is shed is life. How does Christ give his life to the world? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. How does he give it? Gives it by his shed blood. And without the shedding of blood, there can be no life because he gives it to us. We have sayings that are developed by us alone, like we're covered by the blood. That's not quite what it is. The blood is our life. That's our new life in Christ. And without the shedding of that blood... There is no remission of sins. So I'm going to ask you to take a trip with me and see the giving of his life for us through his blood. Our first stop is in Gethsemane. Our sin has gone into his body and suddenly like great drops of sweat is the way the scripture should read on this. Blood begins to break out like little riblets of perspiration. Our sins are pushing out his life. It's pushing out the blood. The blood is flowing from him because for the first time the trauma has come to a human body that knew no sin, that knew no hurt, that I think knew no pain. Perfect body. All of a sudden this body is in the trauma of having to bear the hurt and 
sin of everybody that's ever sinned in this universe. Everybody that's in Adam's family. So I want you to see it. He's in the garden. He drank the cup. And all of a sudden, the turmoil in his body begins to push the blood out. I want you to look at that blood. I want you to imagine it for a moment. Let's imagine that it is a starry night. The moon is shining. The artist has painted down from the moon a, a ray of light shining right on him. He's all alone. You don't know how alone he is beginning at this moment. Because he's going to face loneliness for every human being so that no human being in God's plan should ever be lonely again. That's a beautiful part of this because so many people get lonely. So many people feel they're unloved and unwanted. But he's going to change all that because he's going to come by spirit and live inside of a human being so that they'll never be lonely again. You see, most human beings don't know that. Even Christians, they don't know that. So they suffer the same as everybody else. And yet he's going to bear a loneliness or not even God. Is going to be a part of what he does. Think about it. But the important thing taking place here is that the law has demanded that without the shedding of blood, sin cannot be taken care of. So with the light shining down on him, and he, in what I think to be his first most traumatic moment of the whole sacrifice sees the blood seep out of the pores of the skin. You see it? You see it kind of glistens in the moonlight that comes down on it. He's all alone and bleeding. If you saw him in the natural, you'd wonder why is he bleeding? He's bleeding because Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. They take him out of the garden. The kiss of betrayal comes from Judas. He's already got blood stains on him. He's arrested now. Got a bunch of politicians in charge of God's plan. That'll never happen again. 
never again in this world will politicians or mortal men ever touch Jesus Christ. They may touch Christ's people in whom Christ lives, but they'll never get to Jesus again. This is the only night that ever happened and ever will happen. Politicians do awful things to him. But Pilate holds a strategic point. He's in the judgment hall. And Pilate has offered Jesus to be released. The Jews turn him down. He offers Jesus to be released in place of Barabbas. And they take Barabbas instead of Jesus. It angers Pilate. He's a politician that's a smooth operator. He's in a family of politicians. His wife connected with the Caesar part of the politicians. So he's got to be careful what he does. And so when he offers Jesus back to the Jews and saying it's a custom during Passover to release one of your prisoners, you want Jesus or Barabbas, that angers Pilate so much that he takes Jesus back into the judgment hall. He strips him of his garment. He's covered only with a rag around his mid part. And Pilate bends him over and ties his hands to an iron rug in the judgment hall floor. He's mad. He's mad that he hadn't worked this out because he finds no fault in this man. So his idea is, if I give those bloodthirsty Jews some blood, maybe that'll satisfy him. I'll let this man go. So with his hands tied to the floor and his back up in the midair, he says to the Roman soldiers, put the scourge on him. I'm going to give the Jews some blood. Scourge is like a cat of nine tails. You probably never saw one of those. But it has many prongs to it, leather prongs probably. At the end of each prong is a round steel ball. Going through the steel ball is a piece of steel like a, a razor. That's the scourging part. So that when the whip comes down, it not only beats the back, but they draw it across the back and it slices the back. The pummel is made by the balls that cause the skin to rise like a swelling. And then the razors rip it apart. This is the most cruel thing they can do, but it is a blood-letting thing. And so with his hands tied on the floor, and he's bent over in the judgment hall, angry Pilate screams at the Roman guard and says, hit him. 
all of a sudden come whistling through the air is the whip and it hits the back of Jesus. And when it hits it, he draws it across the back and suddenly the back glistens with blood. Pilate says, hit him again. And the whistling sound of the scourge comes down and hits the back again. Hit him again. Again. Little by little, the strength leaves the body. It takes all the strength he has, bearing the sin of the world at that moment. With all the cruel things any of us have ever done in his body. He has to take the scourge. I can see it as the whip comes down and it's drawn across his back. I can see how it cuts the back to ribbons. What its purpose is is to cut the skin off. One writer said it would look like a meat market table when they had trimmed all the meat. You could just wipe off all the trim come off his back but he stands there as the whip whistles through the air what do you think would go through his mind at that time what do you think your savior would be thinking about do you think that he wonders if God will give me strength to bear this Maybe, but that's a lesser thought. I think he looked through time and he picked out some of us and he said, those dear hearts have suffered because of their sin. I'd like to relieve them of that. I'd like to take that suffering for them right now. When I think of so many of us who have suffered over circumstances and situations, I've wondered if we ever heard the gospel. The gospel says they hit him 40 times. 40 times. He stood there till they beat him 40 times. The blood splashed all over the judgment hall walls. The hand of the guard and his arm was covered with blood. Jesus could feel the blood trickling down his legs. It's a bloody thing. It's a shedding of blood. But it's more than that. It's a release of life. Our sin is pushing out his life. Our sin's going to be killed. We're going to kill it dead. And his blood is going to be the answer. He must Shed that blood. How would he feel hearing old Pilate shout again, hit him again? What would he think when he hears it whistling through the air as it comes down on his back? I think he thought they'll be delivered. They'll be set free. They'll be made whole. I'm doing this for my father. What do you think about it? You ever think about it? You ever think about the scourge? 
Old Testament prophecy was, by his stripes we are healed. Peter, I think, says it again. We took it for our healing. We thought, bless God, he fixed us there so we'd never be sick again. It's got to be deeper than that. Stripes on his back was for our healing, but it was for the healing that had been caused by Adam's nature and Satan's nature that was operating in us. The cutting loose of that nature from the human race cost him his blood. He finally was standing in a puddle of blood. He finally could barely stand. When Pilate got his share of blood, he jerked Jesus up and he led him out on the balcony and he said to those angry Jews, he twisted Jesus around, showed them his back and showed them the dripping blood all over him. And they said, here is your king punished him enough. I've caused enough blood to be shed. Now take him and go. And they cried, give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Kill him. Can't blame the Jews for this. I say it like that, but you don't blame the Jews for that. That's your sin in his body. That's your sin that's got to push that blood out one way or another so that it can die. Understand that? So that he can save us. The blood must go. They put a robe on him, purple robe. And then they do another cruel thing. They mock and make fun of him in the robe because the Jews had called him king of the Jews. He was king when he healed the sick and raised the dead and blessed them. He was a king. So the Romans thought they'd mock that. They wove a crown of thorns. I've seen before what some think was the vine that constituted the crown. But it had long thorns on it. That was important. So with his purple robe on, the soldiers planted the crown of thorns on his head. But every thorn had to be pushed into the membrane pushed into the bone, into the skull, because if he's going to crucifixion, they wanted the crown to hold. So angry fingers grabbed every thorn and pushed it. And every time it was pushed in, a little stream of blood flowed down. All the way around the head, they pushed the indented thorns into the skull. That's 
the shedding of blood without which there's no remission of sins. They take him out ready to walk the way to Golgotha. They throw the cross on his back because all criminals carry their own cross up Calvary's hill. He can't carry it. That's an ironical thing. He can't carry his cross. Remember the strong message he gave one day? He said to those people, deny yourself and pick up the cross and follow me. That was a spiritual cross they needed to pick up. They needed to say, we'll do it in Jesus' name. We'll take responsibility. That's what he meant by the cross. You see, when he said that, they had no idea and he didn't preach his death on the cross. So what he was doing was using a cliche of the day, like we'd say, if that guy doesn't straighten out, he's going to go to prison. In his day, they would say, if he don't straighten out, they'll hang him on Calvary's hill. They'll crucify him. So the thing was, you had to carry your own cross up there, and Jesus tried to carry his cross, but he couldn't. Too weak. Life was coming out of him. Blood was coming out of the pores of his body through the holes they had made in the ribbon back. He couldn't do it. When somebody tells you to pick up the cross and follow Jesus, don't ever compare yourself with Jesus going up the hill with the cross. That's a whole different thing. That's a whole different understanding. He couldn't carry that cross up Calvary's hill because as a human, he just didn't have the strength. Life was coming out of him in many different places. He's bleeding. He was bleeding to death. So they grabbed the fellow out of the crowd And he carried the cross. I like to say that's the fellow who first touched the blood of Christ. Because there must have been some of it on that cross. Jesus had tried to carry it. So there must have been some of it on the cross. And this fellow was the first to ever touch that blood. I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he became a believer or something. Surely he must have. But they finally get up to Calvary's Hill. This is a very odd place for the Savior of the world to be. But it is a place 
that has been promised in this book ever since the third chapter of Genesis. He's going to kick the head of the devil. You know the verse. He's going to kick the head of the devil. Why is it put that way, that he'll kick the head of the devil with his foot? You know, because it was Satan's thinking and Satan's ideas and Satan's message that put the whole world in trouble in the first place. Because it was the devil who quoted God's word erroneously and said, hath God not said And said, God just doesn't want you to be God yourself. That came out of Satan's head. He's a liar and a deceiver. And the writers in the New Testament were destined to call him the father of lies. Where does a lie come from? Out of the mind. What's going to happen at the cross, among many other things? The head of the devil is going to be kicked so that he can never again tell us any kind of truth that can destroy us unless we want it. He'll not destroy the devil, but he destroyed the works of the devil at the cross. The devil's yet to be destroyed later on, later on from now. So they get up to Golgotha. This is the place we know about Christ's crucifixion at Golgotha. They lay him down on the cross beams. They take their crude hammers and heavy nails and they drive them strategically into the hand. About at the ball of the thumb, the nail is driven. Both hands. They drive the nail into the feet. In a strategic place, just above the valley where the toes are. You see, that's strategic. They've crucified many before and they know what they're doing. What they want is for the nails to hold them on the cross. Now the nails alone don't. So they're going to finally tie a rope or something around the midsection. But they want the nails that they've driven in to make an impact. So they lift the cross up. They have a hole and they lift the cross up and the guards hold it up high above the hole. Because at a certain command they release it and it falls all the way down. And when it hits the bottom of the hole, it rips the hand from the ball to the knuckles. Why? Because the nail then lodges in the bones and you can't pull it off. It rips the feet from the toes to the ankle bone and lodges there so that you can't kick, kick it off. They know what they're doing. They pack 
the bottom of the hole. And there he hangs. He's alive all this time. As a sheep before shears is dumb, he opens not his mouth. Never says one word. I can imagine some of us would be preaching a message right then. Bless God, y'all are going to pay for this. You better get right with God. You better not go any further with this. You've gone far enough. He opens not his mouth. And there he hangs. We've got to stop here. Our time is up for today. Oh, man, just when... Well, I hate to tell you, we've got to stop right here for this week because our time is up. But what a blessing this message and every message is from Warren in this great series called The Cross. We'll pick up right where we left off next week. Hey, be sure and visit our website, if you will. It's Christ-Life.org. Christ-Life.org. Read all about this In Christ message and go to the bookstore and look at the wonderful material that Warren Litzman left behind that you can have in your own library at home. It's terrific. Our thanks now to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And the wonderful and talented Teresa Ferraro is our producer each week. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life. <laughs>